Thank you for having us this summer. It's a privilege to be with you. It's an especial privilege to preach to you this morning. And some of you might have been here a few weeks ago when my wife and I presented our ministry in Austria. And I just want to repeat a few things which are uh, very important as a background to this message. Austria's evangelical churches are few in number, 160 churches only for a population of 8 million people. And they are small in size. The average Austrian evangelical church has 50 members. So the situation of Austria's evangelical churches is very different from evangelical churches in the United States. And before I start to preach, I would like to pray. Father in heaven, we, we ask your help to speak and to listen and to think and to feel uh, according to your will. And as we have sung to you this morning and as we have praised you, we ask you now that you would sing to us, that you would sing your beauty into our souls and that we would be amazed and new at how great and how good and how perfect a God you are. Thank you for speaking to us now through your word. Amen. In the late 1800s, uh, three men had a lasting influence on modern European thought. Ludwig Feuerbach became famous for saying that men created God and not vice versa. Friedrich Nietzsche, a famous poet, became famous for the following words. God is dead. God remains dead. We have killed him. And Sigmund Freud, an Austrian psychiatrist, stated that God is a wishful projection of our subconscious mind. Uh, their common message was, there is no God. 100 years after these men lived and died, there is hardly any room for Christianity in Europe anymore. The influence of Christianity in Europe has been declining for a long time now, and it seems it has almost become extinct. There is no room for God in Europe. Church buildings are transformed into museums or supermarkets or office space. In the modern European mind, God has become like a Russian babushka. He has become small. He is not mentioned in the media. He is not a factor, or so it seems, in politics. God has long ceased to be at the center of the arts. Most people do not count on him. Most people don't talk about him. Most people don't think about him. God has become small in the minds of the people of Europe. Surrounded by this atmosphere, Christians are always in the danger of thinking small of God as well. It works almost like gravity. If you are surrounded by people who think little of God, you are likely to do so as well sooner or later. What intensifies this danger of thinking small of God is that our churches are small and that they are not growing a lot. Since the mid-90s, by and large, Austria's evangelical churches have not grown, which leads a lot of Christians to discouragement and frustration. If God is big, 
Why are our churches small? If God is big, uh, why do we see so little fruit? So some Christians are leaving God behind. And many are adopting, consciously or subconsciously, a view of a small God. If you had a personal tragedy or a tough time, let's say prolonged sickness or a job loss to this mixture, you end up with a lot of Austrian believers who have a small God. Uh, This is not a theory. This is not so I can have impact this morning. This is reality. I know their names. I see their faces. They are my friends. A culture that belittles God. Churches that hardly grow. And personal affliction all add up and lead many people away from a big God faith. But it's a terrible thing to have a small God. A small God will not rouse your soul. A small God will not win your heart. And you will not sing to Him. You will not praise Him. A small God also will not heal your broken heart. He will not bind up your wounds. And you will not let Him come close. You will not open up to a small God. A small God will not come to your aid in times of affliction. He will not be your helper in trouble. And you will not hope in Him. You will not trust in Him. A small God is a terrible, soul-crushing thing. That's rather depressing, isn't it? I know that Minnesota is not Austria. Far from it. And that's good. But I think that this danger of thinking too little of God is no less present for you than it is for us and for me. There are many voices also in your society that proclaim a small God. So what can we do to hold on to a big God? What should we do to cultivate a vision of an awesome, majestic, glorious God in our souls? I have found two things that help me. God's Word and the Hubble Space Telescope. Your tax money paid for it. You can be proud of it. I'm thankful to you that you guys sent it up. This, this smallness of God became so real to me again as we came over here to the States three weeks ago. And I was really discouraged that things are so different back home. And I found great help and hope and encouragement in the psalm, in Psalm 147. So I will expound this morning the first seven verses of Psalm 147. God's Word says on its first page, And God made the stars. And Hubble Space Telescope tells us what the stars are like. The Hubble Space Telescope has been humankind's eye into the universe for the last 16 years. And among other things, it has given astronomers uh, a pretty accurate count of the stars there are in the universe. So let's have a little quiz. How many stars are there in our solar system. How many stars in our solar system? 
One. Very good. There is one star in our solar system. The sun. The sun is probably the star you know best. It's also the star closest to us. Just one star. How many stars are there in our galaxy? In the Milky Way. Now you can go a little higher. 200 billion stars in our galaxy. That's not bad. That's about 30 stars for every person on the planet. 30 stars just for you. It would be hard to find names for all these stars, wouldn't it? And then how many stars are there in our universe? Nobody knows, that's right. But we can guess. God knows. Astronomers guess, with the help of Hubble Space Telescope, that there are 10 to the power of 22 stars in our universe. If God has gifted you with a brain like mine, this will tell you nothing. This is a number too large to comprehend for a human mind, so I'll try to illustrate it for you. Let's imagine that every single star has a name, and that all the names of all the stars are compiled in phone books, just like this one. Let's say one million stars in each single phone book. Uh, With all the phone books needed to contain 10 to the power of 22 stars, You could cover the entire Twin Cities. And you could cover St. Claude. And you could cover Alexandria and Duluth and Mankato and all the other cities in Minnesota. I don't know by name. All of the state of Minnesota covered with phone books up to a height of 85 feet. Whew. That's how your soul should react. Amazement, wonder. Uh, Who knew the phone book of the universe actually exists? In Psalm 147, verse 4, we read, He determines the number of the stars. God knows the number of the stars. And it is a little thing for Him. And the verse goes on. He gives to all of them their names. God knows each single name of 10 to the power of 22 stars. He was not exhausted when He created them. It is not challenging for Him to count them. And it is not hard for Him to remember their names. Can a small God do these things? Can a small God create 10 to the power of 22 stars and count them and name them and remember their names? No. Never. But a big God, a big God can do all these things. And the author of Psalm 147 knows that. He goes on to say as much. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding, his brain, is beyond measure. Let's talk about the sun a little bit. The sun is probably the star you know best. It is a white hot ball of fire with a surface temperature of 9,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, I'm very thankful personally that it is so far away. 
I still get sunburns if I don't protect myself with a baseball cap or sunglasses. You cannot look into the sun for longer than, let's say, five seconds. Please don't try without damaging your eyes. It is an incredibly powerful star. Let me introduce you to another star. This is Eta Carina. Eta Carina is a star in our galaxy. So it is not that far away. It is a star that makes the sun pale in comparison. Eta Carina is four million times brighter than the sun. And it is not the brightest star that exists. God created Eta Carina so we would see his glory in the skies. He created the Orion Nebula so we would see his beauty and his majesty. He created the Cat's Eye Nebula so our hearts would be filled with wonder and amazement at how wonderful a God we have. And he created the Whirlpool Galaxy, a galaxy consisting of 300 billion stars so that we would know what a God we have. Yesterday, many of you watched fireworks. And oh, weren't they beautiful. I saw some this week, a heart firework, a heart at the middle. I've never seen these things in Europe. They must be special. They only come here. We marvel at those fireworks, at their beauty, their colors, their shapes, their sizes. But without exception, without a single exception, all of them last for only a few moments. God has put a greater beauty, a greater majesty in the stars, so that we would see how big He is. And they last. They are not just for a few moments. In Psalm 19, David says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Think about it. At all times, day and night, and in all places of our planet, the stars proclaim the glory of God. The mountains don't do that. The sea doesn't do that. But the stars do. They are everywhere at every time. And they call out to us. They say, lift up your eyes. Look at the heavens. Gaze at us. We have just one purpose. One purpose goal, one mission. We, the stars, exist to proclaim the glory of our Maker. So lift up your eyes and understand. And go to www.nasa.gov government if you need some help. See the stars and understand. God is big. This vision of a great God that we get if we combine those images taken by Hubble Space Telescope and words of Scripture is great. But it will not be enough to sustain a passion and a fire for God in your soul. It might be a fresh supply of oxygen to a smoldering fire, but it will not last. Why not? Because the stars are too far out there. They're too far away. 
And their glory is too far away. So we need a God who comes close. A God who shares his life with us. And that is exactly what he wants to do. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is the same God who creates and counts and names 10 to the power of 22 stars. Exactly the same God. And he promises us to heal broken hearts and to bind up wounds. This is a God that all of us need. During the last two years in our church in Innsbruck, we have had plenty of broken hearts and open wounds. A much-loved family left church, which disappointed many. If your church just has 60 adults, and the family that is loved and has been there for 20, 25 years leaves, this is hard. A young woman died within three weeks of an aggressive cancer, leaving behind her husband and her one-year-old daughter. A recently married young couple spiraled downwards in their marriage until they separated. And then another mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And all of this happened in half a year. We were pummeled like never before in our 37-year church history. This was our first death in the church. There's something I've learned very quickly as a pastor those last two years. And this, that is that in every life, without exception again, there is pain. There is pain in our lives. Some of you have had similar hardships happen in your life in the last months or years. Our hearts, all of our hearts were filled with grief and sadness and pain. And maybe some of your hearts are filled with this as well. Where is your pain? Where do you hurt? Where are the wounds that have not yet completely healed? Where are the scars in your life? I'm here today to give an invitation to you. If there is pain in your life, the invitation is to come to our big God because He promises to heal broken hearts and He promises to bind up wounds. Jesus is a supreme healer. There is no wound which He could not heal. When we trust in God, when the going gets rough and in dark times, then this big God comes close. Psalm 147, verse 6. The Lord lifts up the afflicted and He casts the wicked to the ground. So we had a memorial service, our first memorial service at church. Didn't quite know what to do at first, but we got it together. We had 300 people in attendance in our church building, 200 of them unbelievers. And it was an awesome memorial service, just brimming with hope in future life. 
and in our city, in the schools, in the companies, in the clinics. People were talking afterwards for weeks. Not a whole lot, but a few, those who had been there, they were telling their friends of this memorial service that had hope in it. Because memorial services in Austria, if there is only a small God or no God, have no hope. It was awesome. And God has been with her husband. And God has been with their daughter. God lifts up mourners. The couple who separated is not separated anymore. Hallelujah. We thought they would never make it. And we had given up all hope. You can only help that much. It is not in your power to change another person's life. But God intervened. He intervened in the husband's life and then he intervened in the wife's life and they moved back together again. And that's just awesome. They're not the best marriage in Austria right now, but they are together. And they want to stay together. When they came back the first time to our church service again, together, both of them, there was a hush over the congregation and just great joy. Our big God uplifts afflicted marriages. The mom who was diagnosed with breast cancer, she had to go through chemotherapy and many more heart treatments for a whole year. But now the doctors say that she is cancer-free. And this is not why we know that God is big. We know that God is big because He strengthened her throughout a whole year, because she became a role model of godliness and suffering to all the congregations in our city. And because she was hope, literal, visible hope in the hospital rooms of our city, passing on hope to cancer patients, to other moms who have no hope. Our big God lifts up afflicted cancer patients. And God is really good because He also lifts up pastors who have lost their hope that anything significant would ever happen in Austria. He lifted me up with this verse, verse 2, Psalm 147. The Lord builds Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. Just as God builds Jerusalem and gathers His people to His city, so He builds His church. He builds His church here, and He builds His church back in Austria. And he gathers people into it. God built the walls of Jerusalem through Nehemiah and a few thousand faithful people. A big God did a big thing through a lot of small but faithful people. Do you think that he can do it again? Can God do it again in Austria? Can he build his church in a God-belittling society? This is not a rhetorical question. Yes, he can. Yes. I have great hope. Why? Because my God is a big God. He is the God who created Eta Karine, the God of 10 to the power of 22 stars, the God who heals broken hearts. There are some things in your life that have the potential to diminish God in your soul. Do not let them succeed. Hold on to your big God. Even if your culture and your 
celebrities, your contemporaries and your co-workers, your friends and your family tell you otherwise. Hold on to a big God. And hold on to His Word. Because in His Word you will see over and over again a big God. And your soul will need it. Sometimes God surprises us with a display of His greatness. And I hope that this morning was such a surprise for you. But we also have a responsibility. We also need to be proactive in our pursuit of a huge, great God. So fill your soul and fill your heart and fill your mind with this vision of a God who is big. I want to thank you that you are a church who believes in world missions. This is so important because not only you should have a big God, but through world missions you can export your big God to other people so that the nations will praise Him too. It was awesome for me to be here last week and to see a family up here from your church that wants to go into missions. I hope that someday at our church in Austria as well. We will have a family or a couple or a young man or a woman from our church who wants to go out. I was told that there are some kids here this morning. My Rebecca is here, just four years old. Thank you for being so good. This is awesome. I want to sum up this message for you. What should we remember from this morning? God is big. We see that He is big out there. But He also wants to come close. And He wants to be big in your life. I'm closing with a reading of the first seven verses of Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For He is beautiful And the song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. And He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our God. And abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the afflicted. He casts the wicked to the ground. So sing to the Lord. Sing with thanksgiving. Make music to our God. On the harp. Amen.